Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. Colossians chapter 4, and there are about uh, 10 people in here that Paul talks about. And I don't know about you, but uh, I grew up in a uh, traditional church, and, and we had Sunday school. And I can remember listening in Sunday school as a kid, and <clears throat> when we would talk about the disciples, when we would look at the book of Acts, you know, Paul and Peter and Barnabas and those guys, they seemed bigger than life. And it seemed like, you know, there were uh, Christians, and then there are, you know, the Christians in the Bible, and, and that's just something that's completely unattainable. So the, the people in the New Testament seem bigger than life. It's almost like watching football players when you're a kid. And, and some, some people are really talented in basketball and football and baseball. And for you, you know, it's realistic to think that you're going to grow up and be Roger Staubach or, or Terry Bradshaw or Joe Montana or Tom Brady. But for most people, it's like go to school, get a job, because you're not going to be an NFL football player and you're not going to be a baseball player or you're not going to be a professional musician. And we kind of think that, you know, they're professionals at things. And when it comes to the church, we kind of look at Peter and Paul and think, well, they, they lived a long time ago, and they saw Jesus personally, and we'll never, ever be anything close to what they were. Now, some people, you know, they talk like, well, we can do that, but yet you look at them and you think, well, I don't know. You know, it's, it's not quite the same. So where is that? Where is that discussion? So this passage today looks at some ordinary people right in the heart of a first century New Testament church. Paul finishes off his letter and he makes reference to some people that he's sending to the Colossian church with the letter and he makes reference to some people who do ministry with him. And when we look at those people, these are people who changed the world. Because at this time in history, the world was not Christian, not even close. The Christians were a very small group of people, less than a thousand, you know, less than a thousand people in an obscure part of the world who were persecuted by the largest nation in the world, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, along with the Jewish people wanted to wipe them out. Now, I think we all have an enemy or two and people that don't like us. But the deck was stacked against Jesus of Nazareth and those who followed him. The whole Jewish religion, they didn't believe he was the Messiah. They had instigated some people to put him on the cross. And now they're persecuting, they're persecuting other believers and if, you would have, if we would have looked around back then and been a Greek or a Roman, someone that's just watching the situation, 
or someone coming up from Egypt, we would have thought those poor Christians don't stand a chance. Those poor Christians don't have a chance. They're a small sect, a small minority, and who's heard of them, and nobody likes them. And we can look historically at the records about the emperors and rulers who said, how do you deal with these crazy Christians? Well, just arrest them, and if they denounce Christ, let them go. If they don't denounce Christ, put them to the lions, kill them. And things didn't look good. But yet we know now, I know the whole world's not Christian, but there are, out of 7 billion people, there are 2 billion people who profess to be Christians. Whether they are or not, that's between them and God. But the world has been impacted by the Christian church. So much so that there were many people who about five or 600 years after Jesus rose from the dead started saying one of the biggest proofs of the resurrection was the way the Christian church upturned the world. The dramatic, miraculous, the absolutely miraculous story of what was accomplished in the Christian church. How they went from being persecuted to the Roman Empire saying, we embrace Christianity as, as our religion. And that happened in less than 400 years from the time of Jesus of Nazareth. So what were these people like? If we went into one of those churches and looked at these people, what did they look like? How did they act? What was their behavior? And Paul shares that with us. And from Paul's letters, we can get some insight into the type of people who changed the world for Christ back many years ago and draw some insight into how we can live. Let's pray as we uh, get deeper into God's word. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that these, uh, these few verses, God, are life-changing, Lord, that they're obtainable, that they're sustainable, and if, Lord, if, if us here is those of us who, who want to follow and obey Christ, will simply follow in the footsteps of those who've lived the faith, who lived and died for their faith in you, who had you as their Lord and Savior, who had the Holy Spirit living inside of them to change the world, God. If we will walk in those footsteps, Father, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to live in us, to manifest in us, and if we will surrender fully to your Lordship, God, you will use us to change our community, our families our state, our country, our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The people who followed Jesus in the first century changed the world. Paul's letters to the Colossians describe some of those people who indeed changed the world. Paul sent two men with letters to the Colossian church and the Laodicean church. So the letter that went to the Laodicean church was read in the Colossian church, and the letter to the Colossian church was led in the Laodicean church. And now the church of the crossroads gets to read one of those letters. And we haven't found the Laodicean one, but maybe one day we will. Praise the Lord. So these were letters that were written to churches back then by apostles that we can look at to understand what Jesus taught. As to all my affairs, Paul writes, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant, 
and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you some information. For I sent him to you for this very purpose, that he may let you know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Where's here? Paul is in prison. Writing a letter in prison, and he's going to let this church know what's going on in his life as he's finding out what's going on in their life. Articus, my fellow prisoner, sends his greetings about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. So as Paul's writing, there's this guy, Archicus, as sitting right there, his fellow, he probably looked over at Adam and, and wrote his name down, and he said, send my greetings, and Paul wrote it down and included it in the letter. They were in prison together. Paul mentioned some other people who were doing ministry with him as he wrote this, co-workers that were in ministry with him as he wrote this letter. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. Now, I assume this guy did not want to be... He had such uh, honor and respect for Jesus and humility that he was like, don't even call me Jesus, my birth name. Call me Justice. They're the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. That means he was Jewish. So there's a Jewish believer there with him. And Paul said, they've proven to be an encouragement to me. Epaphrius, now this was actually their pastor. Epaphrius, church history says, was the pastor of the uh, church there. Who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. And he had went to Paul to tell him what's going on with the Colossian church. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. I tell you, you know, as I, you know, one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account for being a pastor. And it's not the preaching that concerns me. I'm not worried about that. You know, the thing that I want to, as a follower of Christ, what I want to represent is me walking around this building, looking up there and praying for you guys. Because that's what matters to Jesus. You know, preaching is a dime a dozen. It really is. Many people are gifted. That's not where. Real ministry is caring about people and praying for people. We will just focus on what is really important. This other stuff will take care of itself. You know, but this, this man here, Epaphras, is the model for all of us who would want to help other people to be a spiritual leader. And when you pray for someone and you love someone and you labor for them in prayer and you're a prayer warrior for that person, you change eternity. And he just didn't pray random prayers. He prayed that they may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. He prayed that that church would become spiritually mature. If you and I will humble ourselves and grow to be spiritually matured, if we will allow God to bring us to spiritual maturity and change. We're not perfect. We're on a journey, and the only way we're going to grow on that journey is to be teachable, to be in God's presence, to pray, and to learn, and to receive from the Holy Spirit, and to become spiritually mature. Because the beautiful thing about that is, is we have compassion 
for other people. For I testify for him, Paul saying, now I want to testify on behalf of this guy. I want to let you know a little bit about him, that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Paul, he cared about this guy. This guy cared about the church. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, as does Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Napa, that's a lady, and the church that is in her house. So here we see the evidence of the house church in the first century. This tells us that this was definitely written before 300 AD, and we believe it was written probably around 60 AD. But definitely it was written before they even started meeting in cathedrals. This was back when the church actually met in people's homes. And a lot of ladies, imagine that, a lot of ladies opened up their home. And I can imagine they set out some food, and they were very hospitable, and they welcomed people, and it was a very warm and friendly environment. And then they sat down and they shared the word. This was doing the job. And then we decided to dress things up and get a little formal and a little ritualistic, and it's been a challenge ever since then. Because this was really doing, when people would just share the gospel with each other and disciple one another and care for one another and love one another, that model was working pretty good. And now here we are many years later, and we're seeing decline in the growth of the church, and we're going back and saying, well, what were they doing in the first century that was so effective? Small groups, house churches, fellowship. Okay, it's all right there in the Bible. But maybe we're so busy reading other things that we don't really read and ask the question, how did they do it? What did they do? And then how can we do similar things in our culture, in our context to reach the world? And these were average people. These are not... You know, he didn't say, this is, Paul, this is Peter, this is James, this is John, this is Mary Magdalene, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. These are just regular people, you know. So they were common people that did, you know, miraculous things. And then he says, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Saint Archippus Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So he writes this letter, and he's about ready to end the letter. We got one more verse, verse 18. Right before he finishes the letter, he says, By the way, tell Archippus that what God told you to do, get on it and do it. And I was like, man, that's cool. You know? I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. How would you describe the types of people who can change the world? First off, there are people who encourage one another. It's throughout the, the, the information Paul gave us. These were encouragers. Tychovus and Onesimus were sent to encourage the hearts of people. Justice, that was the one who was named Jesus but called Justice, had been an encouragement to Paul. And you see this throughout the writings of the New Testament, is making mention of the gift of encouragement. We need to release that gift. 
We need to activate that ministry in our midst. If we want to change the world, we need to have people filled with the Holy Spirit, using their spiritual gifts, and the gift of encouragement needs to be released. Now, one thing I notice about this gift, and first four things, everyone can do them. Every single one of you can do this. You can encourage people. You can pick up a book. How to encourage other people. That's pretty simple. It's not that hard. Listen to people when they talk. That's one. Be a good listener. Say kind things to people. Point out things that people do well and let them know that you notice them. You know, encourage people. And you and I, we can be encouragers. And by doing that, we'll change the world. But not only do we, can we encourage people, we also can help one another. Tychopus, Onesimus, Articus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nepha, Archippus were all co-workers with Paul who helped him in ministry. Does anybody recognize any of the other names? Are they familiar? When I read through the list, the only one I recognized was Demas. He's the one who actually uh, left the faith, if it's the same guy. And that's from another letter that Paul wrote. But in then Onesimus, you're going to learn about Onesimus next week, so I don't want to explain it. He's really special. His story is really incredible. And, and in fact, the whole book of Philemon tells his story. If we want to change the world, not only do we encourage people, but we help people. We, we go along beside other people that God has called to do ministry, and we say, how can I help out? People can't do things alone. God gives somebody a vision and an idea, and it's all the people that come alongside that person and help them that actually make, you know, it just completes things. And, and that's something that everybody can do. Epaphras labored in prayer for the church. He's the superstar of this passage because he was praying. Paul prayed for the church throughout the book of Colossians and said he was thankful for the church. Throughout the writings of the New Testament, in these letters that Paul and Peter and the apostles wrote, you can find little passages where they make reference to praying for other people. The work of prayer goes unnoticed, but it's the work of prayer that changes the world along with the encouragement, along with the help. And who in here is qualified to pray? Who meets the spiritual qualifications to pr for prayer? You know, there's a, there's a list. If anyone wants to be an elder, here's this list. There's no list to pray. You, you and I, we can start praying. So if you came here today and you received Christ yesterday and you didn't know anything about the Christian faith, you could come in here and say, you know what? I'm going to start encouraging people. I'm going to start helping people. And I'm going to start praying for people. And you know what? You would be a superstar. If you did that for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and when God revealed the grand scheme of things in the history of the church and how he accomplished his purpose in the world, you would be like some of these people that we're reading about in the New Testament. Your, your work in the Lord, in ministry, would be just as valuable as everything that I'm doing. Just as important. It is the work of the ministry. It is working together, and it's being obedient. 
I believe with my whole heart that if you had a church that did these four things that we're going to talk about, it would change the world. It would change their community. If they were consistent, if they just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage. I'm not going to put people down. I'm not going to be critical. Do You have no idea how critical people are in this community and every community. You have no idea some of the things that people say, things that I hear from people. I can't believe people would say stuff like that to discourage people and to belittle people and to minimize people and to do all of these things. If we simply would say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be the greatest encourager in the whole world. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a person who just encourages, that walks into a room, and I say, I'm going to encourage five people for, before I sit down. If we would do that, and if it would be contagious, it would be life-changing. It would be transformative. And I commend you guys, you know, and I'm thankful to be part of a church where when people come in here, they make reference to the spirit in which things are done, the way they're treated, the conversations. But this is just one space. We have the whole world to reach, and we want to grow. What we're doing well, we want to grow even more. We want to reach out and we want to be strengthened to bring this to our workplace, to bring this to our school, to be encouragers, to not be self-absorbed, but to be people who build up other people. Number four, the fourth quality is they were people who are concerned for one another. Paul writes out of his concern. Tychicus and Onesimus visit out of concern. Epaphras praise out of his concern at the very essence of who these people were there was this component that they cared about other people if you care about other people you will do something about things if you care you will encourage if you care you will help if you care you will pray and all four of these things work together very nicely and every person can do it but there's a fifth quality that you have to wait for. You don't just get this. You have to actually wait for this one. And, and I would say to do the four with your whole heart, to focus on these four things, and to allow God to do the fifth thing when he wants to and how he wants to. Because the fifth one is very special. It says these people were people who do what God asked them to do. Now, you can do everything in the Bible. You can do everything in the Bible, and that's part of your obedience and my obedience. But Paul asked the church to tell Archippus to take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So what I'm thinking is, when you and I are helpful, when we're encouragers, when we're praying for people, and when we're concerned about people, there might come a time when God specifically tells you to do something. And that's very beautiful. I'm not here by accident. This wasn't on my radar. And God says, I want you to do this, you know. And it turns out to be a very wonderful thing because it came from the Lord. And there are other things and so I don't know all of those things, but I know this, that people who care about other people, who help people, who encourage, and people who pray, that God speaks to those people through the Holy Spirit, 
and put something in them that there's no explanation, something supernatural. You know, I, I, Christ, the Bible, was not even on my radar. You know, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, that's what was on my radar. I went to play Beatle music. I was obsessed with the Beatles. I even bought a guitar like George Harrison's. And I played in a band with a dude that had a guitar like Cass bought one of this. He was so excited to show, show me the Hofner bass. I had a friend, he had a Hofner bass like Paul McCartney. We wanted to play that. That's what we were obsessed with. And I went to bed one night, and I had a dream. And the supernatural was real, folks, because I wasn't looking to do this. You know, I had a dream, and in my dream, I saw myself at that table with all of my friends, all the Beatle friends. You know, we were sitting there, and I had a Bible, and I was sharing the Bible. I was teaching the Bible. The next night, I went to church and received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that's been what my life has been. And anybody knows me, and it is a gift. It is nothing. It is a gift to be able to open up this book and understand it. It's a supernatural gift to to be able to just look at it. And honestly, I, I have not even... I, I probably spend less time preparing sermons than most people because it's a supernatural gift. God, God wanted me to do this. God had this, this ministry, and really, I had a big brother who said, Mark, take heed to the ministry that God, that you received from the Lord. I had a father who said, take heed to the ministry that God called you to. You know, I had a mother who prayed for me. So I'm here. My role is to say to you, take heed to the ministry that God's called you to. If he hasn't called you to something specific, then help people. Encourage people. Pray for people and be concerned about people and just wait. You know what? And if you get to see Jesus one day and he didn't give you a specific thing to do, it is not a big deal. Praise the Lord. I don't think my mom had it ever had a specific thing. I don't know that my dad ever had a specific thing. I know several people don't run around trying to create something that's just simply not there. If you're called to encourage and help, you have the highest call. The greatest of these is love. To love other people is far greater. It's just, I think God has a sense of humor. I don't know. You know, he just said, you know what, you're going to be they're not going to see you coming. You're going to be at this place at this particular time, and I need you to be this particular type of person. So I'm going to call you to teach the Bible and explain the Bible and encourage people in the Christian faith. And that's what God had for me, and I am walking in that, and I am here to help you walk in the ministry that God has called you to. And while we walk, Let's help, let's encourage, and let's do all those things. And I believe through supernatural means, God will open up doors and that the God of miracles will do more than we could ever ask or imagine. You know, it's absolutely miraculous how God places people together and puts people together and connects people. If you cannot... Get to where you feel God wants you. Let other people help you and encourage you. Take heed to the ministry that God has called you to. You know, do what the Lord has asked you to do. And I pray that God will ask many people to do things. But in the process of waiting, my prayer is that we will be helpful people, encourage people, who pray for people, 
and who are concerned for people. Well, God, we thank you so much. It's me again. I must be the I must be the giddiest greeter that y'all have ever seen, especially Buddy. But I'm giddy for Jesus, you know. Sometimes I get sidetracked in my greeting. And I owe two two ladies an apology this morning. <laughs> One's Andrea, Andrea Bradley. I've known her since I had the bookstore, and she came in this morning, and I said, have you ever been to Bell? She said, you know me. It's been a while since I've seen you, so welcome. And the other one, this little lady dressed in red and black came up this morning, all I could see was her eyes, because she had on a black mask. And I went to hug her, and I said, have you been to Bell? When she pulled her mask down, I said, Lisa! <laughs> so I'm pretty giddy. Do a very good job of reading. Sometimes I just leave the door and come out the place. So y'all help me do a better job. Uh, but I do apologize. I owe y'all an apology. I'm, I'm away from the door more than I'm at the door. Anyway, I promise to try to make you laugh at me. But anyway, I love people. I guess y'all would Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.